to Luke chapter number uh, 17. I want to get right into the message. If you'll pray for me, I kind of right before Sunday school started, my voice started to go out. I uh, woke up on Friday with a little frog in my throat, so to speak, and, and it was fine on Saturday. And this morning it started to act up. But if you'll pray for me, I think we'll get through this. Turn over to Luke chapter 17, and we're going to look at verse number 11. Is this microphone on? Yeah, it is in. Okay, good. Luke chapter 17, the Bible says, if you'll stand with me one last time, we'll stretch our legs and we read God's word. We'll jump right into this. Luke 17, verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria in Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice and glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a, what's the next word? Samaritan. Now that's the title of my sermon. He was a Samaritan. You'll see where I'm going with this in a second. Look at verse 17. Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? And there are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I want to preach on lessons from a certain man, a Samaritan. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house on this last Sunday of this last year. And as we get ready to begin this new year, everybody has new goals. We've got new objectives. And, and I pray that we could reach those. And I pray that we'd work harder in this next year. But, Lord, I pray that as we look at this story of this Samaritan man, and we look at the history behind Samaria and how this can apply to my life today in 2024, right here in Clark County, Kentucky, I pray that you bless in a great way. I pray you'd help my voice, but most importantly, may you speak to the hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Now, most of us are familiar with the Good Samaritan story, right? Everybody is aware of that. That's the story where the Bible says a certain man went down from Jerusalem onto Jericho. And it's interesting how the Bible comes to life if you study a little bit further. And if you had the privilege to go to Israel, I got to go once in 2011. And that just kind of revolutionized the way I read the Bible because Jerusalem's on a mountain, Mount Moriah. Jericho's the lowest city on the earth, right there by the Dead Sea. So when the Bible says a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he literally went down in his descent to go to the city of Jericho. Now stay with me. Jerusalem is where the temple is. That's where you would meet with God. Anytime you leave the will of God, your life is headed down. Y'all with me? And so he's headed down to Jericho, and the Bible says he fell among thieves. They wounded him. They uh, they stripped him of his clothes, and the Bible says they left him half dead. Not dead, half dead. Now we we know the story because when the the priest come by, he he looks at him and then he walks around him. When the Levite comes by, he looks at him and he walks around him. Now, many of us have often thought maybe the reason why they passed by these, this guy was because they thought, well, you know what, I'm too busy. And it's true, many of us in, in times of life, we get busy and we don't see the need that others have. 
And maybe that was the case. Um, and, and others may say, well, maybe he just didn't want to get his hands dirty and get bloodied hands, and so he decided to walk around him. And someone once said, if you're going to help people, it's going to cost you time and it's going to cost you money. And so for whatever reason, they walked around. But I really believe the reason why those two men walked around, this man that was half dead, is because the priest and the Levites knew the Old Testament law. And in order for them to serve in the temple, they had to be ceremonial clean. And if they touched a dead body, they were unclean. And so when the Bible says he was half dead, they walked up to him and they saw the glass half empty and they saw him as dead and walked around him so that they would not touch a dead body, so that they would not be guilty of violating the letter of the law by being unclean. When it comes to the Samaritan that comes down, he actually walks by and he sees it a little bit differently. He sees somebody that's half dead. In other words, it's half full. He says he's someone that's still breathing. He's still alive. He needs help. And so when he decides to go up to help the guy, he has not violated the letter of the law because the guy's not dead. He's still alive. He's almost dead. But then he goes up to him and he helps him. And the Bible says he pours in oil and wine into his wounds and binds him up, puts him on his beast and take him to the inn, paid for that. And the next day said to the innkeeper, I'll pay if there's any more. And Jesus said, which one was your neighbor? And he said, it was this guy. It was this guy that helped him. Now there's much more to that story because Jews and Samaritans did not mix. They did not like each other. In fact, in this story, we see, according to verse number 11, that Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, but he goes through Galilee and Samaria. Galilee is in the north. Judea is in the south. And in the middle is Samaria. Judea is where you have the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was in Israel. When Solomon's son Rehoboam split the kingdom in two, ten tribes went to the north called the northern kingdom of Israel. Two tribes went to the south called the southern kingdom of Judea. And in the southern kingdom is Jerusalem. In the southern kingdom is Hebron. In the southern kingdom is Bethlehem. And so it is the southern kingdom that most of those kings would end up doing right. The northern kingdom often did very evil. Now when we look at where does the name Samaria come from, we'll look at that in a second. But look in verse number 12, it says, as he entered into a certain village, there met him men Ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Now, here's the real problem with having leprosy. If you had leprosy, yes, it would be a horrific sight if somebody saw me with a major skin disease. And yes, it would be some suffering involved. But what really hurt these men was not the disease of leprosy, but it was the fact that they could not be with their family. They were isolated. They were put into a colony. Now, stay with me. Because of this disease... They were severed from their family and they could not go to the temple into the sanctuary and worship God. What a picture of how sin severs your relationship between you and your family or hinders you between you and God. Now I'll be glad to say this. The Bible teaches that we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Him it is not of works and that I am sealed into the day of redemption. You can't lose your salvation but you can hinder your relationship. So here you got 10 men. They cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy on me. And when the Lord sees them, he says to them, guys, go to the priest 
and he'll take care of you. He'll tell you what to do. And according to verse 14, they went and the Bible says they were cleansed, meaning they got healed from leprosy. Look with me at verse number 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Now, I have heard this many times, and I used to believe this, and and if you believe it, that's fine, Uh, but I think there might be a better application, and that is 10 men got saved and only one served God. And I don't think that that is necessarily the correct view of this, because the Bible says here, 10 men were cleansed or healed from their leprosy. But let's go a little bit further. Look with me at verse number 17. Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And then verse 19, he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy what? Faith. No mention about the other nine men's faith. Let's go a little bit further. Thy faith hath made thee what? Whole. Guess what? His faith did not heal him. He was already healed. Are you with me? The other nine were healed as well. Only one came back to glorify God. But now the Bible says about the one guy, he says, hey, only one of you came back and because of your faith, you are made whole. Referring to the spiritual condition of his life. In reality, only 10% of this crowd got born again. By the way, that lines up with scripture because the Bible tells us that straight is the way and, and straight and the narrow way, right? And few there be that go in thereat. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction and many that'll be there. So that lines up. So here you see a picture of one guy who comes back to Jesus and says, Lord, I need you and I thank you for how you physically changed my life. And Jesus said, I'll not only change your physical life, I'll change your spiritual life as well. Now, as we look at verse number 16, this is my text verse. The Bible says, and, talking about this one guy, and fell down. Notice the position of the Samaritan. The Bible tells us this Samaritan is now face down before Jesus Christ. He didn't fall down by accident. By the way, listen, you don't serve God by accident. You make a decision to serve God. Daniel purposed in his heart to serve the Lord. You don't backslide on God by accident. You backslide by decision. Case in point, you've got the prodigal son. He said to his dad, give me what belongs to me. He didn't mistakenly or accidentally slide away. He said, this is the direction I want to go. In 2024, I would encourage you, let's look at the the life of the Samaritan that says, I have decided to go back to Jesus. I have decided to fall down before him because he is worthy. He saved me. He changed me. He gave me a new future. I'm reunited with my family. I no longer have this leprosy. I now can spend time with mom and dad. I now can go back to the temple and worship the Lord. Listen, friend, if there's anything we ought to learn from the life of the Samaritan is his position was right because he's now prostrate before his Lord. Let me show you something else. Turn over with me to Joshua chapter number five. Joshua chapter number five, you see a very similar story. You see Joshua, the leader of Israel, he takes over for Moses passing away. And in Joshua chapter 5, before they fight the battle of Jericho, he meets a man that is really none other than Jesus himself in the Old Testament. 
In John chapter number five, it says in verse, Joshua rather, chapter five, verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, there stood a man over him against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Let me stop for just a second. At this moment, he doesn't recognize who the guy is. He sees him as a warrior. He sees him with a sword and says, Hey, you on my side or are you on their side? So he doesn't yet know who this man is. Look at verse number 14. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? Now stay with me. And Joshua, what's that next word? Fell on his face to the earth and did, what's the next word? You only worship God. And so here, he's prostrate before the Lord, the captain, the Lord of the host, and he falls down on his face and he falls down and he begins to worship this captain and says, I recognize who you are. Listen, friend, when Jesus comes back in Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says he's got a sword. It comes out of his mouth, so to speak. It'll smite the nations. He'll rule the world. Listen, friend, there's nothing like the sword of the Lord and the word of God himself. But here you can see a beautiful picture that when my position is right, I'm prostrate before God. Here's the second thing I can learn about the Samaritan. Go back to Luke chapter 17. Look in verse number 16. In Luke 17 verse 16, you see something else. The Bible says, and he fell down on his face at his feet. If a man has his face in the dirt, At the feet of a warrior, he's now in complete submission because that warrior could take that sword if he wanted to and end that man's life. So when you have the Samaritan back to Jesus, he falls down. He puts his face down at the ground before the feet of Christ and he's basically saying to him, I am all yours. Whatever you want, I am in complete submission. Listen, friend, I think one of the greatest things you and I could do going forward in 24 is to take a step of growth in my submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why our country is in a mess today is because of lack of submission to the Word of God. Are you with me? You know what most of us are like? And I'm just as guilty. Most of us are like the average person driving down the road. Speed limit says 55, we do 70. When the cops show, we see the cop coming up, we hit the brakes, right? That's called a conscience, Right. And to be honest with you, it's probably not very smart of you to hit the brakes because that's that. I mean, he's smarter than what we give him credit for. He knows we were speeding the moment he saw us and we saw him. But in reality, we're like a lot of people. They're like, yeah, who cares? Well, we should care. We should. But we should care what God says. Why do we care what anybody else says? Why do we care what the government says? Why do we care what the schools say? Why do we, what we should be more concerned about is what thus saith the Lord. And if we're concerned about that, listen, you may lose some people. You may lose some friends. Can you ask Noah that question? He preached for however many years and he only got his family on the boat. You could say, well, preacher, he failed. I argue he succeeded because he got his whole family on the boat. I know this, if I could get my whole family to trust Christ as Savior and get in the boat of serving God, I think that would be a great success. And so Noah is used greatly of the Lord because he kept his eyes on the Lord. Now, 
Take your Bible and turn back with me to Matthew chapter 26 and look at verse number 39. So you see the Samaritans, uh, basically his position, and then you see his submission. But by the way, not only does the Samaritan fall at the feet of Christ, even Jesus did this. In Matthew 26, the Bible says in verse 39, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I love this passage. The Bible says here, in verse number 39, it says this. And he went a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he prayed. Let me stop. There are times in our life where you and I may not know what's next. We may not know the right answer. We may not know if I go left or right. You may even feel like, preacher, I don't even know if I can get up tomorrow morning and keep going again. Jesus is under immense pressure. The Bible tells us he prayed so heavy that the blood in the blood vessels began to burst and just run down his face, sweat and blood together. He's under immense pressure because he knows in just a matter of a few hours, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken to a court and then he's going to be falsely accused and condemned. And then he's going to die on a cross for the sins of the world. The weight and the pressure that was upon Christ. And the Bible says he just went a little farther. Sometimes you and I need to do the same thing and just go a little farther farther and not just go a little farther but do something else look again at verse number 39 he says this he went a little farther and fell on his face he didn't just go farther and fall on his face the rest of verse 39 says and he prayed can I tell you there is power in praying to God there is power in falling before your face and saying God I don't know how to solve this problem God I need your help Lord I need you to help my voice because it's gone (laughs) Lord I need you to do something because I can't fix this. The older I get, the more I realize I am dirt. In fact, we were created from the dust of the ground. Do you know your body is comprised of certain chemicals? And those chemicals, 98% of those very same chemicals, oxygen and calcium and and, uh, sodium and all that stuff is found in the dirt of the earth, the crust of the earth. And so you know what we really are? Dirt. If I start thinking about that, that's why they say from dust to dust, ashes to ashes at someone's burial. If I think about what I really am, all I am is dust or dirt. But God saw fit to breathe life into mankind. God saw fit to one day come down and find Jeff Harris at Calvary Baptist Church in Danville, Kentucky when he was 12 years of age and show him you need a Savior and to have a Marine who taught the Bible to that 12-year-old class. And I came under conviction and I'm glad. Listen, I didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. He found me. I'm the one that was lost. And that day when I hit my knees, when it was just me and Dan Stallard in that classroom, was the greatest day of my life because he changed my whole future and now I'm a child of the king. Now watch. I'm still, even as a saved child of God, nothing but dust. So it's hard for me to think more of myself when I start thinking who I really am is not much. But he falls face down. Look with me in verse 39. And Jesus says, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Talking about his coming suffering. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou what? You know, the will of God is very hard to follow. 
It's not hard to know. The will of God is hard to follow. I give you an example. You remember the first time you ever, you ever gave a tithe check in church? You remember how you started thinking, you're looking at your numbers and you're thinking, I'm supposed to give 10% to the church, to the Lord? How am I supposed to do that? I need all 100% of my money. Are y'all with me? There's no amens on the money issue, all right? So I'm supposed to give 10% of my income and give it to the Lord. Man, I need all 100% of that. And then you start thinking, you know what? Okay, so I read the Bible. I see it in the Old Testament. I see it talking about Abraham in the New Testament, in Hebrews. And I start thinking, okay, I know I'm supposed to tithe, but man, I really need all 100% of this. But you know what? That's what the Bible says. So I'm going to give it and I'm going I'm to just take a step of faith. I'm going to trust God. And then you, you, you put it in the offering plate and you wonder. Now watch me. You wonder, does this work? Is it going to work, right? And then after you give it, you feel glad that you obeyed the Lord. And, and then you walk away and you think, I'm glad I was obedient to Christ in this area. And then later that week or maybe next week, whatever, something happens and all of a sudden you found out whatever your 10% was that you gave, God gave it all to you and more. And then you step back and say, man, this works. And then you tell your wife, honey, we're going to give all 100% next week. <laughs> but in reality... You look at that and initially you're afraid. It's hard to take a step of faith. You know why? Because we're dirt. It's hard to trust God that I can't see. And so I have to take a step of faith in the spiritual world, knowing that I trusted God and his word. Listen, you and I have not met God physically. We were not privileged to be here when Christ was on this earth. But how do we know God exists? Through the word of God itself. My faith is in the Bible. By the way, if you don't have the right Bible, your faith's going to be shaken. And if you don't have the right Bible, you're going to be confused because they all say something different. And so you got to have the right Bible. When you get the right Bible and you put your faith in the Word of God, that's how you get closer to the Lord, right? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. How do I grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? Simply by His Word. And when Jesus fell on His face before His Father, He said, not my will, but thine be done. Now listen, if Jesus did not submit to His Father's will, we'd all be condemned. I'm so glad for submission. I'm so glad for His position. And let me give you the last thing, His decision. Go back with me to... Luke chapter number 17, and look at verse number 16 again. In Luke 17, the Bible says in verse 16, He fell down on His face at His feet, giving Him, that's Jesus, giving Him, what's the next word? Thanks. Listen, if there's anything I've had to ask God to forgive me of, there's many, but lately is lack of gratitude. I spend more time, I'm going to be honest, I spend more time asking God for stuff than I do thanking Him for stuff. And I do even less time thanking Him for who He is. And boy, I got pricked in my heart when I heard a sermon and I thought, oh, that's me. And I started thinking of all the blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And then I start thinking about who he is and his character. And to see what he's, he's all powerful and he's holy and he's just and right. 
And I started thinking about all those things and started to focus on that. Listen, friend, one of the signs that we live in the last days is the, the lack of gratitude. Turn over with me what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You probably know it well. But in 2 Timothy 3, he says in verse number 1, Paul writes to the, uh, to the, to the young preacher Timothy, his protege in the faith, and he says to him, he said, Timothy, this is what it's going to be like in the last days. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 1, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now let me stop for a second. Paul believed he was in the last days. He believed in an imminent return of Jesus Christ. He believed in a pre-tribulation rapture position. I believe that with all my heart. He knew that Jesus was coming soon. He just didn't know until God began to reveal some things that there was a church age that many missed, if you will. It was a mystery, but he didn't know the exact timing of everything. But he says this. He said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Look at verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You ever heard of a selfie? We didn't invent that until smartphones came out, right? You know, let me just sidetrack. This is not Bible, so you can get upset at me if you want to. It's one thing for a lady to do selfies, because ladies obviously like to, you know, primp and look good and take pictures. But man, why in the world are you taking selfies? Are you that in love with yourself? All right, look, read on with me. He says, for men, <laughs> for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. In other words, always trying to keep up with the Joneses. Bo- boasters. Proud. You know what you could put those two together? And you could use the word narcissism. There's a rise in narcissists today. We go a little bit further. He said, proud blasphemers. Boy, it's amazing to me. how I, When I was a little boy growing up, I never, hardly ever heard anybody use God's name in vain. Now stay with me. I played football in the 90s at Damo High School, but I'd hear my football coaches. You could not mention the name of Jesus Christ in a public school classroom, but my public school football coaches and wrestling coaches could curse his name all the way up and down the court and the mat all day long, and nobody would get offended. It's a shame. Blaspheme God's name. He says not only that, he says there's disobedient to parents and then unthankful. Boy, we got so much to be grateful for. Now, I don't know how things play out. But you understand there's Christians in Ukraine that have lost it all. You understand there are people in Israel that have lost it all. Their loved ones, October the 7th. And yes, there's people in Gaza that are hostages to Hamas. And they're part of the fallout. We could go all the way around the world. Folks, in the United States of America, if we're saved and we live in this country, you've hit the jackpot. There ain't no reason why we ought to be ungrateful. We go a little bit further. Take your Bible and go with me to Colossians chapter 3, and I'll wrap up here. In Colossians chapter 3, you see an extension of the Samaritan's decision. He made a decision to give God thanks because God had saved him. God had healed him. God changed his whole life. But look at Colossians chapter 3, and the Bible says in verse number 15, Paul writes this, and he says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
to which also you are called in one body and be ye what, church? Thankful. Now notice the connection. Peace of God, thankfulness are connected. Notice something else. He said you need God's peace to rule in your heart. Not just kind of show up every now and then. He said it ought to control you. It ought to be all over you. You ought to have God's peace every day. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have problems. You won't have to face situations. And you got to learn to control your emotions. But listen, when the wind and the waves get really bad, when you know Jesus is in your boat, you know where you can run to and say, hey, Lord, we need your help. He can stand and say, hey, stop. The wind and the waves will cease. And God can solve any problem or give you grace to go through any problem. And here he says, you got God's peace and you've got his thankfulness. They're connected. But where do you get his peace? Where do you get that gratitude? Look with me at verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Do you know why we have more and more people that have hardly any peace anymore? Lack of God's word in their mind and heart. And as a result of that, the reason why we've got more and more people that are ungrateful is because of lack of God's word in your heart. By the way, when you get more of God's word in your heart, it changes the type of music you enjoy. Look at the rest of verse number 16. He says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, when I was a little kid growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian family and I went to church every Sunday. But we would go every now and then, Christmas and Easter, maybe a potluck. But I'll be honest, I saw a lot of movies that I shouldn't have watched. But one of the movies, just be honest, that I absolutely loved was Rocky IV. I thought, man, if I could look like that Russian dude, man, that's a bad looking dude. And I even went into a barber with my dad. I said, I want the haircut like that Russian guy. And so he cut my hair in a flat top. But I'll know this. Every time from that point forward, when I heard the music of the Eye of the Tiger, it made me want to drive my car faster. It made me want to take a fist and put it through a wall. It made me because it affected me in a bad way. Are y'all with me? Ain't nobody ever went speeding listening to classical music. Understand something. God's word affects the music I listen to. Or it should. I should be in submission in this area. Last verse. Verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? To God and the Father by Him. If you didn't, if, if I bored you, and I hope I didn't, if you didn't get anything, get this. About two, three weeks ago in Stanford, Kentucky, a 41-year-old wife, mother of two young boys, registered nurse, had a kidney infection, kidney stone. Went to the hospital, got treatment, regular kidney stone. It turned into an infection. It became septic. She ended up going to the Fort Logan Hospital in Stanford. They took her by ambulance immediately to UK Hospital. The, the doctor that she worked with, when she came to after being sedated, the doctor had to tell her, listen, I'm sorry, but we have to cut your both arms at the elbows. We have to cut both knees, your legs, at your kneecaps. You're going to be a quadruple amputee, and if we don't, you're going to die. Listen to her words when she was interviewed after the fact 
by LEX18, she says this. I just said, these are the cards that I've been dealt and these are the hands I'm going to play. I'm just so happy to be alive. I get to see my kids. I get to see my family. I get to have time with my husband. Those are minor things, talking about amputation at this point. And then she gave advice. Slow down. Appreciate the things around you, especially your family. It's okay to let people take care of you. And this is the most powerful statement. If one person from this can see God in all of this, that made it all worth it to me. Oh, I'm willing to let go of my arms and my legs if just one person. And I can't be thankful. Let's learn from the Samaritan. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house. God, I pray that we take this lesson from a Samaritan man, this lesson from this Lucinda Mullins, this nurse from Stanford, Kentucky, and learn how to be a more grateful Christian. Learn how to worship you at your feet. Learn how to be in submission. And God, I pray that you bless in this invitation. And certainly if there's anybody not sure heaven is their home, they'd put their faith in you. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house with your people. May you bless in this invitation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand if you would. They're going to play this invitation hymn. If you have a need and you want to come and spend time with the Lord at this altar, why don't you come as they play?